Welcome to this podcast featuring well-known Bible teacher, Kevin Connor. For more information, visit kevinconnor.org. We thank thee, Lord, for the guarantee of your promise that where two or three would gather truly in your name and in harmony, and together, that would be the guarantee of your presence. Lord, we gather this morning not in any denominational name or any sectarian name, but in your name. Blessed name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and we gather in your spirit. And we pray, Father, that as we come to you and the Lord Jesus is the head of the church, and in these ten special weeks, we pray that the quickening of the Holy Spirit will be upon all of our hearts. Lord, that you will just build solidarity into the church, Lord. And Lord, that you'll establish your people in that faith that was once delivered to the saints. We just commit ourselves to you, Lord, and pray that our thoughts and our, our minds shall be brought into captivity in obedience to your thoughts and your mind. Lord, that our spirits will just become subject to thy Holy Spirit. And Lord, that the words we speak will be your words. We just commit this whole teaching session to you, and especially these ten weeks together, Father. May it be a milestone in the history of this fellowship and for all those who are new in the fellowship father may it be laying proper foundations we ask in the blessed name of jesus christ and everybody said amen amen, amen. oh I'd, I'd like you just to uh be patient with me and this is what we have in mind we're going to go through these 10 lessons in these next 10 weeks uh or so and then if if anybody happens to be sick we are taping the lesson so that if you miss that lesson, we want you to pick up a tape and then the sheet that you have to fill in some answers here and there so that you will have completed the 10 uh, or 11 lessons when we're through at this uh, special period of time. Okay, I'd like you to take your first page here and the foreword, and I'm just going to read it as it is and then uh, get into our lesson proper. And as I said last Sunday, we're particularly thinking of a number of new people that raised their hand last Sunday. And so for those of you who have been uh, members of the church for a long time and the fellowship here, we want you to support and back us and say amen uh, as we believe God's going to add increase to the church. All right, forward. Because society is living in an age of great deception and various religious cults and philosophies abound, it is important that the sincere seeker after truth prove that which is of the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. This can only be done by an appeal to the only infallible revelation God has given to mankind, and that is the Word of God, the Holy Bible. The Scriptures alone are the final authority for all matters of faith and practice. Everybody believe that? While it is to be recognized that we cannot confine God to mere articles of faith, we also recognize the importance of sound, healthy, or wholesome doctrine in these days. Believers are not to be tossed like ships to and fro between chance gusts of teaching and wavering with every changing wind of doctrine, the prey of the cunning and cleverness of unscrupulous men, gamblers engage in every shifting of trickery in inventing error to mislead, amplified New Testament on Ephesians 4.14. In the early church, the believers were added to the church and continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Where every Christian fellowship's desire and vision is that it be a New Testament local church conforming its order and the lifestyle of its members to the high standard of the sacred scriptures. Some of the questions most frequently asked are, and we've had uh, these questions asked particularly in the last number of months or so, what does Waverley Christian Fellowship believe? How can one become identified with this local church? Do you have an active and committed membership? All right, for this cause, this basic elementary and introductory course has been designed. 
It is important that everyone desiring involvement and membership in Waverley Christian Fellowship understand the foundational teachings of their home church. If upon full attendance and completion of all the lessons of principle of church life class, a person voluntarily desires to be an active and committed member, they may make application for the same. Those accepted for membership will be received by the right hand of fellowship according to Galatians 2 verse 9 and receive a membership certificate or fellowship card. So we'd just like to say welcome to the principles of church life class, the eldership. Okay, the other side of the page, these are the 10 or uh, summary lesson, 11 altogether that we'll be covering. This morning we'll be covering lesson number one, the New Testament church, and then uh, two, repentance from dead works, three, faith towards God, four, water baptism, five, Holy Spirit baptism, six, the apostles' doctrine, seven, fellowship, worship and praise, eight, communion, the Lord's table, nine, Christian stewardship, tithes and offerings, and ten, government of the church, uh, and then our summary lesson, New Testament church membership commitment. So we trust that these lessons will be really beneficial to us all. Okay, let's start on our lesson one this morning, and uh, I'd like you to turn to the book of Acts chapter 2, and I hope that you all uh, have pencil so that you can fill in the, uh, some of the areas that you have to as we go through. Acts chapter 2. And I'd like to read from verse 37 through to the close of the chapter. Acts chapter 2 and verse 37 through to 47. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, and all that believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. May the Lord bless that word to our hearts. Now I'd like to encourage you to take down extra notes, any additional thoughts, uh, that we might cover as well as I'll tell you when to fill in. So we're going to K-I-S-S, which is keep it, simp keep it short, keep it simple, saints. <laughs> okay, thank you. All right, you'll notice uh, here that I believe as we look at Acts chapter 2, which we had cause to refer to quite a number of months back, it seems, I believe that Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2 are the foundation chapters of the book of Acts. And that's just plain common sense. Uh, chapter 3 right through to chapter 28 follow on from Acts 1 and 2. Is that right? reason I'm saying that is Acts chapter 1 has to do with the Lord Jesus Christ, the last instructions from the head of the church. Just before he ascends to heaven, uh, he gives the last instructions to those who are going to form the New Testament local church 
And in Acts chapter 2, we had the day of Pentecost and the formation of the church. So what I'm saying, Acts chapter 1 has to do with Christ the head, and Acts chapter 2 has to, be, uh, has to do with the church, which is his body. And what happens in these two chapters, all the rest of the book of Acts sort of arises out of it and really is founded upon and, uh, uh, an amplification and demonstration of what's in chapter 1 and chapter 2. All right, if you go to your introduction on the notes here on your, uh, on your, on your lesson 1, in Acts chapter 2.47, we are told the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. It is important that all those who are truly saved be added to a New Testament local church and have a home church whereby they can be cared for properly. Can you say amen this morning? So you'll notice the Lord added to the church daily. Just anybody who wanted to join any Tom, Dick, and Harry, no, the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved or such as were being saved. So as they were saved, they were added to the church. That is New Testament order. So we see that all right, this automatically, uh, following on your sheet here, brings certain questions to mind, such as how were these early converts added to the church and what is the church? Is that how I've got in your notes? I'm reading off my notes anyway. Okay, question number one, and we're doing this in catechism style. How many know what the word catechism means? Word catechism, thank you, David does. There's a few of us old Presbyterians and old Baptists and Salvation Army, we know these things. But for those ignorant people, catechism simply means to instruct by asking questions and giving the answers. Very simple. So don't let the word frighten you. It's a Bible word in case you didn't know. And it's translated, instructed. In fact, let's turn over. This is an additional scripture, by the way. Luke chapter 1. I found that over the years, and uh, I have been guilty of this myself, so I confess it this morning, that uh, coming out of uh, historic denominations, we sort of tend to react against catechism, this, this, and the other, and we sort of go to an extreme, and it's called uh, liberty of the spirit. And so liberty of the spirit often becomes license for ignorance. Uh, whereas if it's a good Bible word, let's not uh, just throw it away just because uh, some fundamental group had it. Amen? Uh, Luke chapter 1, verses 1 to 4 is a very good passage of Scripture. Four is many, and seeing Luke is the one that wrote the book of Acts, uh, we've got the same author here, or same writer. Four as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us. So in these 10 or 11 lessons, we're setting forth in order a declaration, a following through of those things which are most surely believed among us. We're not going to exhaust them by any means, but at least have a condensed uh, sessions here. Even as they delivered uh, them to us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, it seemed good to me also having had perfect understanding. What's the word perfect mean for the Timothy class? Full, complete understanding of all things from the very first to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been catechized, instructed. The word instructed there is the Greek word from which we get catechism. So he's saying, just as many others have taken to set forth in, hand, uh, in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, I want you to know the certainty of those things wherein 
You've been through the catechism. You've been instructed by orally by asking questions and giving the answers. So uh, we're taking the catechism uh, approach here. All right, so back to your notes here. So the first question we want to ask is, number one, what is the church? All right, uh, the church is not a, number one, the church is not a material building. We've said it so many times, but uh, we just could, uh, say it again here. The church is not a material building. This is not a church. A material building is not a church. Amen? Material building is just a sheep shed where the church gathers. So I don't know how we'll ever get the victory over this. I, I've been working on my wife for many, many years. We're not going to church. That is not the so-and-so church. That's not the so-and-so church. That's the sheep shed where that church meets. So we've got to get that. The church is not a building. Two, the church is not a denomination or a sectarian group. And we can add to that, it's not a non-denominational uh, denomination or a non-sectarian group. As I've said many times, it's possible to belong to a non-denominational denomination and a sectarian, <laughs> I mean a non-sectarian sect. And we can be more sectarian and more denominational in a non-sectarian sect and a non-denominational nation, <laughs> oh God, help me, uh, than a denomination. Because it has to do with an attitude of spirit. That's the thing. It's an attitude of spirit. So I, uh, so I can say, well, I belong to a non-denomination. Or I don't belong to any sect. And yet I can be sectarian in my spirit. So it's an attitude that God has to deal with. Can you say amen to that? All right, so the church is not a building, it's a material building, it's not a denomination or a sectarian group or a non-denomination or non-sectarian group. Three, it is not an extension of Judaism. Or if you want to make that simpler, it is not an extension of the Jewish religion. I'd like to give you one verse here. Let's turn over to Colossians chapter 2 on this point. Colossians chapter 2. Though you know these things, I want to remind you of them in these lessons. Colossians chapter 2, because there are people today who believe, well, Christianity is just an extension of Judaism, and that therefore things in the, uh, in the Jewish religion should be carried over into the uh, New Testament Christianity, such as circumcision, Sabbath days, etc., all right, Colossians 2, verse 14 through to 17. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it, in the cross. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink. All those things belong to the Jewish religion. Uh, under the law, Judaism as it became to be called. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or drink. So there are those uh, who say, well, you can't eat meat or you can eat meat on Friday as long as it's uh, fish. And if it is steak, bless it and call it fish. Um, or something like that. What are you laughing at? I didn't say anybody. Or in respect of a holy day. So uh, I've been told that unless I keep the Sabbath day, I've got the mark of the beast. Well, I serve the Lord seven days a week. I'm not a once a week. I'm not just a Sunday Christian. Amen? I serve in seven days a week. Or the new moon. Festival occasions. A Passover, Pentecost, Tabernacle, and the, 
the, uh, the, the beginning of the months on the new moon, or of the Sabbath days. So all those things belong to the Jewish religion, and uh, without getting into this area too heavy, we cannot take anything of the old covenant that was abolished at the cross and take it off the cross and bring it into the new covenant. If you want to bring old covenant things into the new covenant, you have to go back to the cross, pull the nails out of the hands of Jesus and unnail it. But we're told here, he blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. He took them out of the way and nailed it to his cross. So you have to unnail it and take it from the cross to bring it into new covenant. So uh, the whole key on these things, meat strings, holy days, new moons, keeping uh, Saturday or Sunday or 101 other things from the Jew, uh, Jewish religion or Judaism is you have to determine which covenant you're under. And I'm glad I'm under the new covenant. Amen. How many are glad they're under the new covenant? Verse 17 says, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Now I've illustrated this many times, but I want to say it again just while I want that word. These things were a shadow. And as uh, I've said that if I was standing here and the sun was shining up here, the sun would cast a shadow. It would cast my shadow. And so if I wanted to know whose shadow it was, the thing would be to go back to the beginning of the shadow and start following the shadow through. And eventually I must come to the person whose shadow it is. Right? So Paul is saying all these things were a shadow of things to come, but the body, the substance, the reality is of Christ. Well, so we're not living under the Jewish religion, the old covenant, which was a shadow. We're not living under the shadow. So what do we do? We go back to the old covenant, back to the Old Testament, and we follow the types through, through uh, the Feast of Israel, Passover, Pentecost, and ta uh, Tabernacles, uh, Tabernacle of Moses, Tabernacle of David, Temple of Solomon, uh, all those things that were shadows. And as we follow the shadow through, we eventually come to him whose shadow it was. We come to the person whose shadow it was, and the person is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So the Old Testament saints trusted in the shadow of Christ. And that was good. But we don't trust in the shadow of Christ. We trust in his person. So why follow shadows when you have the real thing? I don't follow my wife's shadow and say, isn't this a beautiful shadow I'm following? Isn't she beautiful? Look at the silhouette. Look at the outline. Now, I like the real person. Amen? All those who are married said Amen. Oh, which are a shadow. So, okay, number three. So let's say those three things. Let's say it as a class. The church is not, number one, a material building. Number two, a denomination or a sectarian group or a non-denomination or a non-sectarian group. Number three, an extension of Judaism or the Jewish religion. All right, B. The church is the called out ones. Let's turn over to Matthew 16. The church is the called out ones. Now we've spent a lot of time on this in previous sessions, but just to keep this for the introductory class for new members, new people. Matthew 16 and verse 18. Jesus talking to Peter, and I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. All right, the word church, as we've noticed, uh, the, word, the Greek word for church is Ecclesia or Ecclesia, whether we say Latin or Greek, 
the ecclesia, the ecclesia, and simply means, uh, first of all, the called out ones, the called out company. It's probably the simple, simplest definition. So when he says, I'll build my church, I'll build my ecclesia or my ecclesia, I'll build my called out ones. So first of all, the church is the called out ones. Called out from what? Called out of the darkness of this world. Called out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Called out from following Satan and serving self and sin to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. So the church is the called out ones, those who have heard the call and responded to it. Okay, so number one, the church is the called out company. All right, number two, another vital thought in this is not only is it called out, the church is also the assembled people of God. Let's turn over to Hebrews 10.25. Hebrews 10.25. Are these scriptures on your notes? I've only got my original. I've got the answers in red and the non-answers in black, see? So I wonder if I could have one of those that we got in. Oh, it doesn't matter really. Okay. Uh, Hebrews 10.25. <laughs> Okay, thank you, uh, Max. Hebrews 10, uh, 25. Uh, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. I make no apologies for this scripture. People sometimes say to me, well, everybody's always quoting that scripture. I'm going to quote it till Jesus comes, aren't you? Because, you see, there are those who have been called out and say, well, I've been called out to follow Jesus, I belong to the church, but I don't believe in gathering together, I just go wherever the Spirit leads me. And I don't know what Spirit leads them. But Paul is so clear, or the writer of the Hebrews is so clear, we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. In fact, as uh, we dealt with uh, a long, long time ago, the ecclesia, or the ecclesia, actually involves not only the called out ones, but called out and assembled together, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. So a, a church in the strictest sense of that word is not only the called out company, it's the called out company called out of their homes and assembling together to hear from God. That's the true meaning of the word church. And uh, I myself have been guilty of this, that for many years I just said, oh, well, the church is the called out company. But as I studied, uh, studied William Barclay, who's probably got the best material on it, uh, he brought out the full meaning of that word in Greek uh, times and Roman times. The assembly or the ecclesia, the ecclesia was where people were called out of their homes and assembled together to hear from either the emperor or in the spiritual sense we hear from Christ, hear from God. So all right, number two, the church is the assembly people of God. This morning we have an assembly. No one Christian on his own is the assembly. No one believer on his own constitutes the church. It's only when all the individuals who belong to the church who have responded to the call individually or family-wise come out of their homes and assemble together in some appointed place that constitutes the church in that given place, the assembled people of God. Can you say amen this morning? So I, I look forward to the assembling of ourselves together. I look forward to gathering with God's people. I look forward to singing praises of God and worshiping Lord. I look forward to gathering to the Lord. Say, I look forward to the ministry of the word and, and hearing the body. I look forward to the prophetic word. I look forward to the assembling of, of the saints. Don't you? 
I think Sunday is the best day of the week. Best day of the week. It gives us strength, and as I've said, it, uh, the, the rest of the week takes its character from what happens on the first day of the week. So to me, it's very important that we assemble together where we receive strength and fellowship. It's hard enough in the world and where we have to work in our secular jobs. Well, here we gather for strength and reinforce and strengthen one another and glorify the Lord. Amen? All right, number three, the church is also the habitation of God. Ephesians chapter 2. And this is only one picture of so many pictures. The church is also the habitation of God. Ephesians chapter 2, and I'd like to read verses 19 through to 22. Ephesians 2, verse 19 through to 22. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. We're not strangers to each other. And we're not strangers as Paul was writing to the Gentiles here, Gentiles were strangers and foreigners as far as the Jews were concerned. But he says, God has broken down the middle wall of petition at the cross and brought Jew and Gentile together in one new man. So in Christ, we are no longer strangers and foreigners to each other. But fellow citizens, joint citizens, having the same privileges, the same rights, fellow citizens. There's no second-class citizens with God. Fellow citizens with the saints, and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of, or laid by, the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building, fitly framed together, groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye are also builded, what's the next word? Builded together, for an habitation of God by the Spirit. No one Christian is the total temple. Now, in one sense, our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, but it's the, the collective thought in whom all the buildings fitly framed together, in whom ye also are builded together. So I'm just a stone, where individually we are stones, but corporately we constitute that temple. And uh, sorry to say there are many, many believers today who are rolling stones. They never find their place in, in a local church, they just roll from place to place and uh, never find their place in a local church. I'm glad God has set me in the local church as a lively stone. Amen? All the lively stones said amen. amen. All the rolling stones. <laughs> All right, number four. The churches, and uh, while, you're, while you're, 1 Corinthians 12, I just want to take out one verse from there, one or two verses. 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, the thought of the habitation of God is a very beautiful thought because, you see, the whole purpose of God building Old Testament habitations, he had the material habitation of the tabernacle of Moses, material ta uh, habitation of the tabernacle of David, the material habitation of the temple of Solomon. The whole purpose of God building a habitation was that he wanted to put his glory and his presence in that habitation. The whole purpose of God building the church the temple of God is he wants to put his presence and his glory. He wants the house to live in. So he wants to live us in us individually and corporately. Okay, number four, the church is also the body of Christ in the earth is your answer. The body of Christ in the earth. 1 Corinthians 12 and uh, verse 12. 
and 13. For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many are one body, so also is Christ. No one member of the body is the whole body. The body is not one member, but the body is many. In verse 14 we see that, for the body is not one member, but many members. So we are members of the body of Christ. And I, I have no qualms, you know, people say, oh, membership, oh, membership. No, I have no qualms about being a member of the body of Christ. Amen? I have no qualms about being a member in a local church where I'm accountable to other brethren and I have checks and balances. So that sad thing we we're praying about a particular fellowship this morning. No checks and balances on the ministry. I'm glad for the eldership. I'm glad that I've always had other men to check and balance me. We need checks and balances in the leadership and in the body of Christ. And so we have to be members one of another. Amen? The members can help one another. All right, by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many members. So the church is the body of Christ. Christ is the head and the name of the, of the church. One of the names also of the church, the body is Christ. Let's read that again in verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Christ the head and Christ the body. That is Christ the anointed head and Christians, members of the body of Christ. Church is not the body of Jesus. The church is the body of Christ. It's the body of the anointed one. Christ means the anointed one. How many are Christians here this morning? All right, what is a Christian? He's an anointed one. Partaking of the same anointing that was on the head that flows down onto the body. So the Christ the head and Christ the body. That's the anointed one. So just as our, my head needs a body to express itself through, Christ the risen head needs a body to express himself through. So the church is the body of Christ and I'm glad to be a member of his body. It's the greatest thing in time and eternity ever to belong to is to be a member of the body of Christ. There's nothing greater. Amen? All right, so let's say those four together. Number one, the church is the called out company. Number two, the assembled people of God. Number three, the habitation of God. Number four, the body of Christ in the earth. Okay, I'd like you to go over to the two major scriptures that we have in the Gospels, Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16, and uh, I've just put your answers here. Things that uh, in God's time we like to take up. All right, Matthew 16, 18 and 19, and then Matthew 18, I'd like to uh, read these passages together. And I say also unto thee, the Lord Jesus talking to Peter, shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. And I'd like to read verses 15 through to 20. Matthew 18, verses 15 through to 20. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. 
And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. How many of us have ever really seen a church fulfill this properly? We wonder why a couple of us have. We wonder why God doesn't always back up because we don't always do it properly. If a brother trespasses against a brother, we say, tell the world. No, go to him first. And if brethren would go to brethren first, it would save so much, so much. But that's not our subject. If he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, and boy, the material in here is so heavy, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three, and I'm glad he didn't say two or three thousand or two or three hundred or two or three million, but the minimum, not where one. You cannot have church one. I have church on my own. No, you can't do it. Two or three is the minimum. Uh, gather together or drawn together or harmonized or symphonized together uh, harmonized uh, together is, is symphonized together I think the Amplified says uh, uh, gather together in or into my name there I am or am I the I am of the burning bush is in the midst of them now I'd like just to make a comment here the word church is not mentioned in Mark Luke or John the only gospel that mentions the church is the gospel of the kingdom so we have the connection between the church and the kingdom. Upon this rock, I will build my church and I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, not the keys of the church. It doesn't say I'll build my kingdom. I'll give you the keys of the church. I'll build my church and I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. Now, we only have these two references to the church in the gospel, not Mark, not Luke, not John, just in the gospel of Matthew. All right, now there's... One, two, three, four, five, six. There's seven major points concerning the type of church that the Lord Jesus said he would build. So let's go to our sheet on this point here. A, it would be a church that he would build. Amen? I want to be in the thing that he's building. Except the Lord build the church or except the Lord build the house. The church is his house. Except the Lord build it all our labor, it doesn't matter what it is, preaching, teaching, singing, choir, you can have all those things, everything's in vain if he's not building it. I don't want to be in something that he's not building. I've got more to do with my time. Amen? But how many believe he is building his church? So we've got to keep that in mind. Am I out to build something? Is Brother Richard out to build something? Or is the Lord wanting to build his church? And I have to check my modes. We all have to, Lord... You build your church. It's your problem after all. I just want to be in something that you're building. So it would be a church that he would build. B, it would be a church against which the gates of hell would not prevail. I'm glad that it says at the end of the book, we win. We have a few casualties on the way through, but at the end of the book, we win. C, it would be a church that would have the keys of the kingdom. Uh, so much could be said on those things. D, how many know what the keys of the kingdom are? D, it would be a church that would have a binding ministry. 
E, it would be a church that would have a loosing ministry. Sometimes we bind the wrong things and sometimes we loose the wrong things. Sometimes we get them mixed up. But this is the church he's prophesying about anyway, and I'd like to be in that thing, wouldn't you? F, it would be a church that would have a disciplinary ministry. Tell it to the church. Oh, and it gets pretty serious when you have to tell it to the church. It's better to deal with it on a personal level or between one or two, not have to bring it to the church and the whole church have to do it. We'll deal with those things one time. G, it would be a church that Christ, as risen head, would be in the midst. If we truly gather in his name, he says, there I am in the midst. All right, number three. What are the two basic concepts of the New Testament church? All right, we see there are two basic concepts of the New Testament church in the Gospels and in the Acts and the Epistles. Okay, while well, you've got Matthew open, the first concept, uh, basic concept of the New Testament church is in Matthew 16, where he says, upon this rock I will build my church. All right, this church, the thought there is the church universal. He doesn't say, I will build my churches. I will build my church singular. So Christ is the head of that church, and there is one church throughout the world. I'm talking about the true church. There is a false church. There's a universal false church. There's a false unity. A lot of people getting excited about unity. But we cannot have unity at the expense of truth. As someone has said, unity at the expense of truth is treason. So there is a true unity of John 17, but I'm sorry to have to say this, but I may as well say it. It goes on record, I think it. There is a, a false unity in much of, of the ecumenical area today because it doesn't matter what we believe as long as we love one another. It does matter what we believe. Okay? So there's a false unity, which is Revelation 17, and there's a true unity, which is John 17. Both the same number, but don't get mixed up with the wrong woman, the wrong thing. Check if it's a true unity based on the Word of God, first of all. All right, number two, the second basic concept of the New Testament church is the church local. And this you can... Uh, is implied by Matthew 18 because, for instance, if a brother did trespass against a brother and then you go to him and he refuses to be reconciled or you bring two or three more witnesses and he refuses to accept them, then you tell it to the church. It would be very difficult if we had to discipline a person to tell it to the church. We would have to have the secretary writing millions and millions and millions of letters all around the church to tell it to the church so that the church could uh, say, yes, we have to discipline this person. It would be very difficult, wouldn't it? It can only be handled on the church local. All right, in the Acts and the Epistles, I'd like you to turn to these scriptures. We have the same thought uh, taken up because Matthew is the seed gospel. In Matthew 16 and 18, Jesus gives the seed thoughts about the type of church he's going to build. In the book of Acts and the epistles, we see the Holy Spirit watering that seed and the uh, development of that seed growing into the uh, church. All right, Ephesians chapter 1. Like you look at these uh, concepts. In the Acts and the epistles, we have uh, the concepts of the church universal and also the church local. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 21 and 22. Christ has been raised far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and have put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. 
which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. Christ is the head of the church, universal. The one true church, there's one head. There's not a dozen heads or a thousand heads over so many local churches, one head over the church universal. All right, Ephesians 5, 25 to 27, we had the same thought. Uh, Therefore, as the church, or husbands love your wives, even as Christ loved the church, not the churches, the church gave himself for it, that he might sanctify it with the washing of water by the word, to present it to himself a glorious church, not glorious churches, a glorious church, speaking of the church universal. All right, number two on your sheet here, we also have the concept of the church's local, and by that I mean when I speak of the local church, I mean a church in a given locality. Uh, let's turn over to Acts chapter 9, 31. These scriptures are on your sheet here. Acts chapter 9, verse 31. Uh, there are several different translations on this. Some translate it singular, some translate it plural. Uh, so I recognize that. Acts 9, 31. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria. Churches. Some translate the church, some churches. Romans 1. Romans 1. I'm sorry, Romans 1. Uh, mistake there. It should be Romans 16. Romans 16. I thought there was... So just correct that on your uh, sheet there. My typewriter can't spell. Uh, Romans 16. Here we have the thought of the churches local or churches in different localities. That's why when God looks down on the city of Melbourne... Melbourne is a city, but it's not a singular city. It's a metropolis. Metropolitan. It's a city of cities. So God looks on the, on the city of Melbourne, he sees the church in Melbourne, but he doesn't see the church in Melbourne just gathering in one locality. Three million people, but he sees within this city of cities a great metropolis Local churches in different localities, yet together these local churches constitute the church. Right? All right, listen to it, Romans 16, verse 4, uh, the latter part. But also all the churches of the Gentiles. Verse 16, churches of the Gentiles. Verse 16, the churches of Christ salute you. I hope they do. Uh, the churches of Christ salute you. All right, 1 Corinthians 16, we have the same thought. 1 Corinthians 16. So we have churches in the plural, local churches, churches in different localities. Uh, 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia. These were churches in the province. Churches of Galatia. And then verse 19. Uh, verse 19, the churches of Asia, another great province, the churches of Asia salute you. So we have churches in cities, churches in provinces, yet these churches, local, local churches together constitute part of the great universal church. All right, so wh what I'm saying there is Waverly Christian Fellowship is just one little local church. One little local church. But we are not the church. We are just part of the true church.
So I belong to this local church at Waverley, but I recognize I'm part of a universal true church. Can you say amen? All right, our last questions here before our time's through. Number four, how did the early converts become part of the New Testament church? All right, two things I want you to look at here. Number one, or A, I'd like you to turn to Acts chapter 5 and verse 14 and also Acts 11, 24. And this is the most important thing first of all. Acts 5, 14 and Acts uh, 11, 24. Acts 5, 14. I'll read it and you'll pick up your answer here. How did the early converts become part of the New Testament church? And believers were, were the more, what's the answer? Added, who to? To the Lord. Let's all say it. Added to the Lord. All right, Acts 11 verse 24 confirms the same thing. Acts 11 verse 24. And the hand of the Lord was with them and a great number believed. Oh, where are we? No, verse 24, reading the wrong verse. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And let's all say it together. Much people was added to the Lord. So the first thing, how did the early converts become part of the New Testament church? They were first added to the Lord. No use being added to the church or added to a club unless a person is first added to the Lord. It's our relationship with the Lord first. The person must first be added to the Lord. Then there, next part, okay, B. Acts chapter 2, which we read earlier here. Acts chapter 2 and verse 41 and 47 from King Jimmy's translation. I want you to pick up two thoughts here. So we're answering the question, how did the early converts become part of the New Testament church? First of all, they were added to the Lord. And then B, verse 41 and 47, then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were, what? Added unto them. I don't know, uh, them is in italics, but who's them, really? The 120. The 120 were the first members of the New Testament church. And so the Lord added unto them about 3,000 souls. So now we have 3,120 added to them. All right, verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to thee. Okay, what's the church mean? All right, the called out and assembled company. Okay, so the Lord added to them. He added to the ecclesia. He added to the called out and assembled company. So I see that how did the early converts become part of the New Testament church? Two, two ways. They were first added to the Lord, that was vertical, and then they were added to them, horizontal. So it's my relationship with the Lord, and when people say, well, it's just Jesus and me, I need nobody else for each tomorrow, those songs are anti-scriptural and unscriptural. I'm added to the Lord, but I've been added unto them, and them's here at the moment. God moves me to China or Russia, I hope he doesn't, but if he does, well, I'll be added to them. But they're added to the church in that locality. So they were added. Okay, so they were first added to the Lord and then they were added to them. Okay, last thing and then we'll just fill in the answers here because we'll be picking this up in our next lesson. All right, number five, what are the basic steps involved in becoming and maintaining? Uh, I suggest you underline those two words. What are the basic steps involved in becoming 
and maintaining New Testament church membership. All right, uh, I've read the scripture except one of them, but uh, I'll just give you the answers because our time's just about up. A, the first thing is repentance from dead works. When they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said Peter to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, come out the front and go into a little counseling room and we'll give you a little card to fill in on four steps, the four laws. Now, I'm not uh, negating those things, but the first thing was repentance and repentance from dead works. Number two, and we have this implied in genuine repentance and other scriptures in the Acts, Acts 8.37, faith towards God. Not faith towards yourself. Power of positive thinking. Have faith in yourself. I'm sorry if you've got the book, but that's all right. Uh, number C here, water baptism. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Water baptism. Uh, D, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit baptism. Now, I'm just going by the book of Acts. Right? Is that all right? I'm not going by our modern day ways of joining the church because you can't join the Holy Spirit. You can't join the church. You can join a club. But we're talking about a New Testament church. So you can't join. You have to be added to the Lord first and then the Lord adds you to a local church. E, in verse 41, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. The same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls and they continued steadfastly in E, the apostles' doctrine. They continued steadfastly. They didn't get the, shake the preacher's hand, get a little card, a certificate card or anything. They were added to them and they continued steadfastly. Number F, and fellowship. And fellowship. Two fellows in the same ship rowing the same direction. That's Fellowship. And uh, G, breaking of bread. You see that in the verse 46, breaking bread from house to house as well as the thought of the communion. So you've got the love feast that they had plus the communion. Breaking of bread and H, prayers. And in prayers. That's a very hard one, isn't it? Especially when we're trying to get through to everybody that the meeting starts 9.30 with prayer. How many received this lesson this morning? All right. These messages are based on Kevin Connor's best-selling book, Foundational Principles of Church Membership. Visit kevinconnor.org for details.